Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Barry Sendak, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. And I'm super excited to hear your life story. So like we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we'll start with where, with where you were born. We'll go all the way up to today and then we can talk about anything that you'd like to talk about that you're working on today and or for tomorrow, okay? Mike, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here actually. So uh, I'm happy to help out and happy to tell my story and hopefully it'll benefit some somebody else. Uh, it will, I promise you, because one of the things we know from our feedback from our from our show is people will hear your story and they'll connect with you somehow, and it'll inspire them and motivate them to go out and do something that they've been putting off. Kind of like if Barry can do it, we can do it, right? And that's really what we're all about. We're all about inspiring and motivating people. So I can't thank you enough. I'm super excited about our time together. So where were you born? I was born in Queens, New York. I grew up in Bayside, Queens. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice. You know, we had a lot of friends. I still have a lot of my friends from from that period. I have friends for over fifty years. Yeah. And uh, when I was young, I uh, wanted to make some money, so uh, I started waxing cars. And and then when uh, you know, I got I got jobs in supermarkets, and uh, I got a job in a drugstore. And then we started uh, going to the flea market with one of my friends. We'd get up at uh, four in the morning and drive to Englishtown, New Jersey, and okay. basically sleep in the car online waiting for the flea market to open. Yeah. And people would knock on your window, you know, when it was pitch black and say, hey, what do you got? I want to see before uh, before you open. I mean, we, right. we, we, was, we were kids. We were 17, 18 years old. And, you know, you never forget stuff like that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when I uh, finished school, I went to work in a family business. We mm -hmm. had a home decorative fabric business. And uh, if you would have asked me what I would be doing when I was 28 years old, the rest of my life, I would have said selling fabric. Yeah. The only problem is that there was like all our suppliers went out of business one oh. after another. The whole industry, you know, just evaporated. And oh uh, the people that did what we did don't don't do it anymore because it doesn't exist. You know, I, I'll ask you, when was the last time you had something upholstered? I I never have. Exactly. I never have. When I, when I went into the business, you know, he's a 22 or so. Yeah. There was six or seven pages of upholsters on, just on Long Island. And yeah. we used to sell all those and the decorators. And, uh, you know, it was a very well-established business uh, at the time in the 80s. It was in business 40-some-odd years. 
but we just couldn't operate it anymore. So part of it I sold to a guy in Florida. I moved to Florida myself and consulted with him for a, a few days a week. And the rest of it, you know, we just collapsed. I mean, it, it was even difficult to get rid of the inventory, yeah. uh, you know, because no, nobody wanted it. Is that uh, what made you move to Florida? Uh, well, that was the uh, one of the things. And then, I, you know, I said to my wife, my wife is a PhD psychologist. And at the time she was running a therapeutic preschool psychology department. I said, this is our chance. Do you want to go to Florida? And we just went. Yeah bought a house and took our kids down when they were young and raised them. And, you know, they went kicking and screaming. And a year later, my, my oldest daughter said to me, says, dad, moving us to Florida was the best thing you ever did. There you go. At that point we were living in Long Island and, uh, you know, we had a house and, you know, Long Island was just getting more crowded. New York was just getting more crowded and more crowded. And uh, it was just like, to come down here in the sunshine, uh, as you know, living in San Diego, which is even uh, a nicer climate than we have here. Yeah. That is nothing like it. Yeah, that's and true. There's nothing like it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, me either. I know exactly how you feel. We're we're getting drowned right now in rain, but um, it's still, it's rain it's sometime. still paradise. Gotta rain sometime. Yeah, it's still paradise. Well, we went through a drought, right, for yeah. for about 10 years. And these last two years have been extra wet, so we're digging ourselves out of the out of the drought, and that's that has to happen, right? So it's a blessing for sure. But where, where you live is just one of the be most beautiful places in the country. I have been there a number of times. I mean, it's just really nice, you know, Newport, you know, San Diego, the surrounding areas. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it really is. So, so let me ask you a question. So growing up, what was your favorite thing about growing up in Bayside? Growing up in Bayside was when I lived, when I was first born, we lived in an apartment house and then we moved to a two family house and I could just go outside and, and you know, no elevators or anything. And uh, there was just kids everywhere. So that was a big change for me. And I, I that that was the most what was my favorite thing is just having so many friends around, you know, just to play baseball, football, you know, we we, we traveled in groups. Yeah. And it was nice growing up there. You know, and you played and, outside until it got dark and it was time for dinner, right? Well, I had a Timex watch that my parents got me. So told me which time to come home. And, and that's the time I, I, I came home. There you go. That's awesome. So it, in high school, did you have a favorite subject? In high school? Yeah, I liked the history. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, you know, uh, back in the day, you know, they taught a lot of American history. And uh, it, it was just, uh, you know, that was interesting. And uh, English was good. And I took a film class. And uh, the guy that taught it was, he, he was very dynamic. And, and that, that was very interesting. We saw films that I would never even think of in a million years to watch. That's awesome. So you graduate from, from high school, and you immediately go to work, right? Uh, basically, yeah, I, I took college classes at night uh, when I could, but I was working full time and I basically had two jobs, working in the flea market and I was working in a drugstore for a couple of years as a manager. My friend's father owned it. They had a second store and they put me in charge of it. And then I, uh, you know, I went to work in the family business. So what, what was it that you sold at the flea market? We sold hairbrushes. Oh, did you? The uh, beauty supplies. Yeah. And uh, my friend who I did it with, 
his father had passed away when he was 18 and, and he had to work. So he kept selling hairbrushes and he, he worked through college and he developed a very big business and, and sold it a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, was very successful at it. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. So you were there in the ground floor. Yeah. And uh, he, he took over and we went, you know, we went separate. We're still good friends. Yeah. Actually, we're very good friends. But, you know, he went one way and I went the other. Yeah, that's awesome. So you so you moved down to Florida. You sell the company, the fabric company. Then what happens? Then I say, well, I'm here. Now what? So mm -hmm. I, I get a real estate license. I start buying condos and houses and selling them. And then 2008 happens and we uh, got stuck and had to give some back and had to make deals. And, you know, then I looked at myself and said, now what? Mm -hmm. So I uh, started like uh, becoming an introducing broker on the currency market. Did that a couple of years until the rules changed with that. And then I started um, saying, what can I do now? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my wife looked and says, what are you doing in here? I says, I got to figure something out. Right. So she was a psychologist. Uh, she worked in a, a, a drug rehabilitation place as a psychologist. And I was uh, starting to get into uh, con containers. Okay. I don't know why. I just thought sustainable housing would be a thing of the future. Yeah. So I started, you know, you know, I, I always had a background with importing from the fabric business. You know, I, I knew how to do it. I, I've been to China before. I've, I've been pretty much uh, on most continents in the world at one point or another. And uh, I started uh, getting contacts for shipping containers and uh, swimming pools and started marketing them and putting together a little team of marketing people to, to get the word out. And we started selling a couple, but it was difficult to sell shipping containers here from China because they wouldn't pass the codes of the U.S. Oh, really? So, yeah. So in order to pass code, it, we had to build it here. So I found a guy that builds them here and he knew nothing about selling them except what came his way. And uh, between the two of us, him building it and having the experience to build it, we've built uh places for nasa we've built kitchens we built technology centers out of shipping container homes we just built a couple of homes for uh, uh the u.s government preserve out in the everglades uh i'm licensed to sell the government uh, we have a you know we're a licensed contractor we're building something we're getting a purchase order for build something for nasa and uh and then i said well what else can i do so i i saw these domes years ago maybe five six years ago and i said mm -hmm. these are cool and i bought a couple and started selling them yeah you know i put them up online i i you know started doing seo with a company and developed it uh organically mm -hmm. and uh it became something and i then i got more domes and and more domes and yurts and uh, we're getting into uh, various other products, uh, which we'll discuss later. But the domes uh, became something. Uh, I mean, they were used on NCIS Hawaii show uh, the, in the last season. We just did a uh, a show with Martin uh, Homestead, which is on Carbon TV. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Uh, they're going to, they, they just bought 130 acres of, and they're going to do sustainable living. They're going to feature the domes. We have a partnership going with them. And, uh, you know, they're just been all over the place. I've sold them in all over the world. So they're geodesic domes. Uh, they're geodesic domes. They're glass domes. They're polycarbonate domes. And I saw, I saw they can be used as, as um, greenhouses, as, as growing houses? Uh, you could use them to grow stuff in. <laughs> you could use them as a hybrid to live and grow stuff in. Uh, you could use them, you know, for any application. We sell projection domes, you know, where you could have an immersive theater in it. Wow. You know, we could, wow. you know, so they're, they're, the beauty of it is, let's say you got a 30-foot dome, so it's 685 feet of floor space. Right. But you could have two floors because they're 15 feet high. So you could, right. you could have uh, 1,370 feet for the price of the 685 if you want. Wow. You, you could build it up, which That's people incredible. do. They, they put a loft in. And we, we could design, uh, you know, the clear part to be higher so that you're not looking at the ground. They're all scalable. They're customizable. They go up to 196 feet, which is over 30,000 feet of space. Wow, that's incredible. So have you seen the the dome in Vegas, the new one? That's a dome, that $2 billion dome that has 167,000 speakers in it. I mean, uh, uh, the guy uh, Dolan from uh, Comcast, you know, that's, yeah. that's his project. That's his first one. He's, he's going to build more. And, you know, I think U2 uh, was the first one to play there, oh. that first concert. Yeah. And it just, it looks just unbelievable from what I can, you know, from the photos and the videos, it looks like such an, an unreal experience for people. It is unreal. Uh, you know, these things will be used on the moon. We've, we've done renderings, you know, when, cause people, you know, that's the, the you know, that's why they're sending people into space and not sending people into space on, you know, uh, Bezos and, uh, uh, what's the guy Branson yeah. and the others on sending people into space for no reason. You know, the, the people are going to live there. Yeah. Maybe not in your or my lifetime, but, but it's coming. Yeah. It's, it's the future for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so, so you domes will be there. So when do you start Dystra? Well, Dystra was started about five years ago and it was just a spinoff to separate the shipping containers from the other business. Gotcha. So uh, when we started that, uh, we we were already in business and we had revenues. So it it, it just was uh, another avenue. But it, that that is all the domes, all the yurts, and uh, and the shipping container homes are separate. So I saw on your website that there was a shipping container that was turned into a lap pool. That is correct. That is That's very cool. It is cool. And we could actually, we're actually make them now an infinity pool. So we'll have glass going around the long, the long part. Oh, and uh, you put in your backyard and if you have a nice facing, uh, you could have that, or you could have a glass panel in the front and, you know, you could see yourself swim. It, it, you could have a resistance feature to it. It could be a salt pool. You could yeah. order a heater for it. But it's an above ground pool. You don't need a permit for it in like ninety nine percent of the places. Right. And a, and a and a you know a gunite pool these days, at least in Florida, for like a fifteen by thirty pool, is about a hundred grand. Yeah. These are less than these are less than half of that. 
Wow. And they're cool looking. And if you that, want to say cool looking, I, I, I never seen anything like that before. And I've been in real estate a long time. And you, you know? could sink you could sink them into the ground. I I don't recommend it so much in Florida because you know the we're living at sea level. The water level so high. Yeah, you, you, you could. So high, yeah, yeah. In order to do it in Florida, you got to encase it in concrete. But in other places, you could just put it in the ground. Yeah, that is just incredible. I love I love that use. I just I just happened to see it and I thought, wow, that is so cool. Somebody's thinking, you know. But the beauty of the shipping containers, they could be anything. I mean, yeah. we made a server warehouses for a technology company. I imagine they were mining Bitcoin and that. I, I mean, we just we built a kitchen for a mushroom farmer. We, we wow. built we just building a clean room for, for NASA. We did we built a uh, a bathroom for the Radford Racing School out in Arizona. There you go. Uh, and, you know, it's anything. Yeah, that is really it could cool. Be anything. Yeah. You know, they they're using it for chicken coops uh, to, to raise chickens. I love that. So people are thinking that's really cool. So it's pretty much just it's a shipping container, but you can pretty much do anything with it. Well, that's just it. it it's a modular okay. unit and you can do anything with it. I mean, you could technically, you know, you could take the top off one and the bottom off another, and you could have two high if you don't right. like if you want a high ceiling. That's it's actually awesome. more expensive than having it with a floor, but some people just want the air. Yeah. Well. It's everybody wants what they want, right? Everybody wants what they want. And your job is to is to deliver it. My job is is to fill the is to be fluid and and fill the holes. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's business. No, oh, I agree. One one oh one, you know, is is to you ever hear the blue ocean theory is to try to find new markets that, that people aren't in, even yeah. within your industry. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Go find go find a hole and fill it, right? You've done it in your career. Yes, sir. That's, what, that's yeah, why you're here today. Yeah, a few times. So <laughs> that's just said I had to do it a few times. My wife says, I don't know how you do it. You keep reinventing yourself. I said, What choice do we have? Right. I said it's an adventure. Yeah. You either evolve or you die, right? And you're, you know, you're finding something that has that that's that's needed. And you know, to your credit. You saw this coming probably before it became really popular. I mean, now, now it's a big deal. And affordable housing and sustainable housing are sort of tongue and groove, right? They're 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 part 100%. of what need, is needed out there right now. One hundred percent. You know, uh, it's like I tell everybody: is said never give up, yeah. never give up. And when you're in business. Do what you can to stay in business. You know, I learned that the hard way with, with the fabric business. It, it could have been something else, you know, if I had more experience. Right. You know, it could have gone into containers. It could have been, you know, when we could have decorated the, the containers, you know, it could be something else. Stay in business. You know, you see that, how hard it is to start a business, you oh, know, yeah. again, and reinvent yourself. Yeah. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. And it's, you know, heavy lifting and it's, Lots of hours and it's, but you know, the thing is, and we talk about this a lot, you keep your eye on the ball. You keep your eye on what the the end result is, right? And you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. There are going to be times when you feel like you're going backwards and there are going to be times you're going to go backwards, but you just put one foot in front of the other and you just keep going. Just never stop. Everybody's wrong. 
you know, look at Thomas Edison. He said he found 10,000 10, ways not to make a light bulb, yeah. but he hung in there with it. And, and he developed a light bulb and he had like a whole bunch of patents. And, you know, he was a very wealthy man from all this, but he was very poor for a long time. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, it's, it, it gets basic, right? When you have children and you're raising those children and they're trying to learn to walk, they fall down. Well, you don't tell them to go back to crawling. You don't tell them not to ever walk, right? You you let them continue to fail forward. You let them continue to figure it out. And as you fall, you figure out, don't do that again, right? You that's get exactly back up right. and you and you walk better. That's I mean, exactly it's that right. simple. You know, I, I, you have to, you don't have to do anything. But if you're looking at something and you believe in it, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Hopefully you won't figure it out. You'll be able to figure it out before you run out of money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the preferable, that's the preferable stage, right? Sometimes you don't, but you, you still hang in there and, and, yeah. you know, look at uh, Bill Gates, where'd he start in his garage? Yeah. You know, when he, he, he got lucky in the beginning and caught a break and, yeah. and that, and that put him on the map. Now, if you want to run your computer, you got to call him. And yeah. if you go back a hundred years, you, you had to call the Vanderbilts to, to move your freight. Yeah. You had to call Rockefeller if you want to put gas in your car. Correct. Correct. Carnegie, if you want to steal, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. They don't build guys like that anymore. No, it's true. And you know, Steve Jobs started in his garage too, you know, in Mountain View, right? He said something that I'll never forget. He said, we're going to make things that people didn't know they, they need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like you seeing sustainable housing becoming the, you know, being the future. You saw that before it was really popular. I mean, people were still trying to dig out of the great recession when you got started in this and you saw that almost like a, you know, a visionary kind of like what Steve jobs was. Well, before I was even thinking about giving up on it, I met somebody that actually did it and could do it successfully and knew yeah. what they were doing, you know. So that was important that, you know, I, I had, a, we put an A with a B. Yeah. You know, he knew that I knew what I was doing and, and he knew what he, that what he does. So uh, that worked out well. Yeah, absolutely. Mentors are absolutely invaluable. And we have those during stages in our lives. And like we talked about before we hit record, our job is to pay that back, right? Pay it forward in honor of those people that came ahead of us and that helped us to advance. We need to find people like you're helping a lot of interns, right? Like you were talking about, you have a, you have a drawer full of thank you cards. And, you know, I used to bring, I used to bring interns in and they'd follow me around. And, you know, some of them got super excited about what we do. And they're still in this business today. So, um, yeah, it's important. It's a big well, deal. Well, you're not going to win them all. But, you know, the, I, I said to the interns when they start, I said, this is your internship. I said, we'll give you as much work as you want to do. But we, right. we expect it to be done and done on time and to the best of your ability. Right. And and you'll learn and, yeah. and you'll be advanced. And, you know, when you go out into the world, you know, you'll you'll be in front of the line when you submit your resume. Yeah. And you'll, you'll have, have experience. experience on exactly. You'll have experience on that resume that other people don't have. That that'll get you in the door. Make you more competitive. That's so 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 talk to me about what's in the future for Dystra. I want to be in all types 
of outdoor structures. So we'll be in storage tents this year. And we just signed a deal with a European company to build air domes. Air domes are over tennis courts. They are over hockey rinks. They are used in universities. They could be 40 by 40, or they could be 400 by 400. Yeah. They, they work their uh, membranes that are injected with air and they stay inflated. Yeah. And they, they go over these buildings and uh, that's going to be pretty important. And we, you know, we, now people come to us with different types of domes they have. So uh, we're getting involved with inf inflatables and uh, uh, negative pressure uh, projection domes, which are like, I don't know, like a 40 foot, it's like a half a million dollars uh, wow. that they use and, you know, Hollywood would use it yeah. you know, because, because the screen is flat and it makes an immersive theater. We have less expensive ones for just, you know, regular event guys, but we have professional ones now. We have all types of polycarbonate domes and one-off domes and various things like that. Yurts we make in Mongolia where, where yurts originated. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting into other type of structures uh, with that. We're, you know, we're having them make uh, different finishes on it and different covers on, on those yurts, glass yurts. So uh, there's a lot going on, but it's all, uh, you know, it's all on the same line of what we're doing so that we can do the same marketing for it and, uh, you know, not go off our path. So I saw I I've seen those inflatable covers that you're talking about um, over like college and NFL football fields practice exactly. fields yeah so that they can maintain you know so they can control the the environment and and what the temperature is and that kind of thing and some of these places are Minnesota and you know yeah, places exactly. where the winters are are pretty harsh so. Yeah. Yeah, when we build it, we have the the heater, the air conditioning that they they have to buy, but it's you know it's kind of airtight and and it's, and it it has redundancy. It has a generator in case the electricity goes out, and uh, the things stay inflated. And yeah. even if the electricity ran out, they'll stay inflated for a period of time without anything. That's awesome. Well, let me ask you this: Is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up? Uh, I, th I think we we covered it all, uh, you know, at least what I do. But, you know, we could talk about, you know, the world in general and where we're going with uh, domes and, and where we're going to be and uh, how we're going to get there. So, uh, you know, I, it's exciting. It's absolutely exciting. And, you know, we have an issue right now, especially in, in Southern California. We have an issue with homelessness. And there are, there's a move to these tiny homes and what we call ADUs out here, auxiliary uh, dwelling units. Accessory and, dwelling units, yeah. Yeah, and so- We build those. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that's becoming a thing. And it's, it's, a, it's becoming bigger than most people realized it would be. But in San Diego County, for instance, we're over 300,000 units short of where we need to be to, to meet demand. And so there's a real need for this. Well, Mike, what's the average price of a home in San Diego? And there's your answer. Yeah. And what's the average price of a home 15 years ago in San Diego? Yeah. It's over a million. Yeah, it's over exactly. a million. 
Yeah. So, and so depending upon I, where you go, it could be 15 million, it could be 20 million. And, you know, it could be in some areas of San Diego, it's, you know, an average of 800,000. But you're still, no matter what, no matter where you go, you're looking at a very large price tag and the and the cost of land just keeps going up. Right, because they don't build any more of it. Right. You know, uh, these people who, young couple just getting married or just starting out, you know, whatever their relationship is, they want to go buy something, you know, to put down 20% on a million dollar place is 200 grand that they have yeah. to save after yeah. tax money. Well, a lot of them can't save. Well, of because course, because they need to live. Debt. Because they're, yeah, right. And rent's so high and all that kind of thing. So it's, um, that's why we're, that's why we're writing a book, by the way, on home ownership, because millennials just are, are not interested in real estate because they have PTSD from the great recession and all that. Because when they were children, they were watching everybody that they love lose their houses um or a lot of the people and so we're literally writing this book for millennials to take the case to them that home ownership needs to be part of the american dream again the average homeowner their net worth according to the national association of realtors is over three hundred thousand. the average tenant's net worth is under eight thousand. that's a that's a far cry from that right yeah that's a big number and that's oh, yeah. average across the country that's not just saying california right so you take that and multiply it by tens of millions of people and realize that real estate is 74% of this nation's net worth. We've got to arrest this. We've got to make the case to millennials directly that home ownership is important because that 300,000 they're going to use to send their kids to college. They're going to use for their retirement, right? This is a, this is a quality of life issue. This is a standard of living issue. In theory, if we look ahead, if you don't get the millennials or the next generations to buy the homes, there'll be nobody to support the prices. Exactly. Exactly. And you'll have corporations and hedge funds and that kind of thing coming in Come and in clean out, out again. The excess, yeah. And, and start renting. And that's, yeah. that's and selling exactly them off. what happened. In 2018, they started buying these houses in thousands and thousands of units. And, you know, they, they started showing up at these builder conferences. A buddy of mine's a home builder. Um, and they started showing up at these builder conferences and they would walk up, these hedge funds would walk up to these builders and go, I want you to go build a thousand houses for me, fee structure. Okay. So we're going to pay you a fee to build them. We're going to buy them from you. And then we're going to rent them out. We have no desire to sell them. We're going to, we're just going to rent out a thousand units, a thousand houses, single family detached houses at a time. Who else could do that? But Nobody. there's demand there, yeah. right? And the demand is because the millennials don't like real estate. And so they don't trust it. And so that's what's going on right now. And so, you know, I'm just crazy enough to think that I can drive a national narrative and convince millennials that that they can and should buy real estate. Well, I'd like to put that book on my reading list. And I hope uh, you're able to send me one or at least send me a link to, to get oh, it. I'd love to. I'd love to. It's going to be a few months before we're done, but I've got my ghostwriter in place and, and we're, we're on our way. We started last month. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm where, where, where real estate is headed and where we're headed um, in terms of sustainable housing. Um, what you're doing is not going to get less popular. It's going to get more popular as we go, because let's be honest, it costs more to build. Now it costs more to permit. It costs more to, to buy the land. It costs more to make the improvements. 
everything costs more. And so if you can find a way to build a house with containers, or you can find a way to live in a yurt or find a way to live in a geodesic dome, there are people out here in California that do it all the time and they love it. People that own a geodesic dome will tell you that they will not go back to a regular house. That's right. They they do love it. I mean, people just love the feeling when they walk into these domes. Yeah. It's just this unbelievable open, airy feeling. Yeah. That's exactly it's that open right. concept that everybody wants. That's exactly right. Our goal uh, with the containers is to start building small communities of high-end shipping container homes, you know, that are cantilevered and, you know, that have real interest and you know that that will be the value from the fact that we could build it ourselves and and sell it ourselves kind of like yeah. a, a developer yeah i totally agree so well anyway. listen it was great to have you on the mike litton experience i cannot thank you enough for being our guest i thoroughly enjoyed our time together well thank you and uh anytime thank you so I'm much i'm gonna put a nice link to your you. website to dystra i'll put a link to your website in our description okay Thank you so much. That's I appreciate nice you, you, sir. I appreciate you. Take Thanks care again now. for being here, Barry. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program. And wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.